The contents of this podcast are provided for general information and educational purposes only and do not constitute investment, accounting, legal, tax or other professional advice. Welcome to the Money Magnet Podcast, helping you attract and keep a fortune that counts with co-hosts self-made money magnet Steve McKnight and esteemed journalist Rowan Wen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Money Magnet Podcast. I'm Rowan Wen. And I'm Steve O. McNido. <laughs> you do like your little funny names, don't you? Uh, I get the gag. So we're two mates talking money, and today's topic is can you bank on banks? Yes, indeed. Do you trust banks? Hmm, I know that they're profit-making institutions that care more about themselves than they do about their customers. I'll take that as a no. <laughs> Back in the day, you used to think banks were a noble institution and they were safe and they were run by honourable people. And these days, I think bankers are probably liked less than politicians and that says something. Well, that's probably true. And I think the Royal Commission that we had into banking recently was quite a wake-up call for a lot of people who looked at that and went, these guys are pretty dodgy. You know, they're as dodgy as a $3 bill. Well, what's been your experience dealing with the banks from the inside? They put the interest of the shareholders first and not the customers at all. And if they can get away with it, they will. So you just can't let them get away with it. I think it's a good demonstration of the power of marketing because National Australia Bank's slogan, for instance, more than money, they garner this reputation like they're trying to be good corporate citizens and Westpac have their life-saving helicopter and they try and gain cred, which is greater than the damage that people experience when they deal face-to-face with banks that are closing branches and making it harder for people to bank and laying staff off. And they really are out for themselves. And I think if you come in knowing that and expecting that, it's the story of the scorpion and the frog, Ro. Do you know that story? I do know that one, but tell the folk at home. Okay. So there's a frog by the side of a river and there's a scorpion that comes up to the frog and says, will you carry me across the river? And the scorpion says, why would I do that? You're a scorpion and you'd sting me and we'll die. And the scorpion says, why on earth would I do that? Because if I sting you and you die, then I'm going to drown. And the frog thinks about it for a second and says, you know what? You're right. I'll do you a favor. I'll carry you across. So the scorpion gets on the frog's back and they get halfway across the river and the scorpion stings the frog. The frog says, why did you do that? Now we're both going to die. And the scorpion says, I'm a scorpion. That's what scorpions do. So the moral of the story, of course, is understand who you're dealing with and don't expect them to be what they're not. Or beware scorpions that say, why would I do that? I would actually avoid all talking scorpions as a rule. (laughs) (laughs) You see a scorpion talking, get off the drugs. It's not not exactly the Disney character, is it? I've seen a talking crab. I haven't seen a talking scorpion. Now, the trick is, can we trust the banks? I mean, we know that, that, that some of the bankers are dodgy. We've seen the Royal Commission. But what about the actual money we put into the banks? Can we, can we trust that it's not going to disappear? Look, can we just talk before we hit that one? I think, remember, banks set cultures. And when money is involved, people's moral compass doesn't always point north. And that's why I reckon we had the findings of the Banking Royal Commission so disastrous and looking at the behaviour of people. The findings of the Royal Commission, I think, pinpoint that these organisations tend to go bad when the culture goes bad. Yeah. And the culture tends to go bad because there's a profit motive involved and it's your old friend capitalism and people's moral compasses stop pointing north. Yeah. Giant sums of money will do that. It's pretty hard to say no to a giant sum of money, but the very definition of integrity is what you do when no one's looking. So greed isn't always good. No, Gordon, greed is not always good. Gordon Gecko from the movie Wall Street, if you're under 25. It sounds like you're more of a movie buff. 
Well, I worked in TV, so you have to watch a lot of movies because it's a visual medium. That's how you get ideas, you see. That's what you were doing on a Friday night. But what I want to do is talk about, not movies, (laughs) talk about the money we put in. Yeah. Right? Is it actually safe? And in what form do they keep it? Remember that trust is important because when you boil everything down in banking, your bank deposit is only as secure as the faith that you have in that institution. Let me explain more. Yeah, please do. You have to understand how banks work. If you go and lend money to a bank, which is what you're depositing, you're lending money to that organisation. That in itself is like a massive aha moment for some people because they're like, no, no, the bank's safeguarding my money. It's like, no, what you're doing is you are lending the bank money and then they go and lend the money that you've lent them to someone else and make a margin on it. Okay, but if you want your money back, what happens then? Herein is the problem because if you go and put your money on deposit, you do so on the basis of expecting to be able to get your money back when you want it. And if you leave your money at call, which means you can go and get it whenever you call on the bank to get it back, and they've lent it out on a 25-year home loan, what happens? Because they can't give you your money back because the lending period, your lending period to the bank is different to their lending period, what they've done to their customer. And this is the giant unsaid assumption in banking that not everyone who's got their money on deposit, not everyone who's lent money to the bank is going to want it back at the one time. Except when they do, right? Except when they do. And and that's where we get the bank runs. We've seen some of this more recently with the Silicon Valley Bank and other banks. Credit Suisse as well had some problems. When people get news that their bank might be about to fail, then they want to go and get their money out, which then creates a negative feedback loop because the more people want their money back, the more solvency issues the bank might have and more people want their money back and so on and so forth it goes. So we've seen it happen in America. We've seen it happen with the Credit Suisse example as well. Are we going to see more of this stuff? Is the financial system getting less stable? Yes. I think I think people are waking up to the fact that Santa Claus is a guy in a red suit <laughs> and that banks who we used to think that we can trust, maybe we can't trust. But what we have to understand really is The solvency of a bank is a question of profitability. And there's something I'm really worried about, Ro, that people haven't cordoned onto. And it's the fact that pretty much most banks in the world are technically broke. That kind of sounds bad for a start, but how so? (laughs) Okay. Because of the wonder of accounting, right? Let me explain it. So do you know what a bond is? I do, but tell the folk at home. Okay. A bond is some sort of IOU. Yep that is then backed by the credit worthiness of the person issuing it. So you can get bonds that are issued by the government, which are therefore backed by the government. Yep. So you wouldn't get an IOU from a guy who's broke because you know he couldn't pay you back. Yeah. That's still a bond if you go and lend money. But you never take it is the point I'm making, right? So you want to be only getting IOUs from people you can trust, you think. Well, then you go back to the notion of the credit worthiness of the person issuing the bond. So there's corporate bonds Mm -hmm. and some of those corporate bonds are highly rated and some of them are these junk bonds where you can get a high interest return, but the chances of you being repaid are more risky. Right. So now, with a bond- you have the interest rate that you get on it and you have a maturity date. These are two important terms. Yep. So the maturity date is when the bond has to be repaid? With interest, normally. The interest, some bonds can pay interest along the way. Most bonds have the interest paid out at the end. Got it. Yep. So let's look at an example. Let's imagine that you had a 10-year, that's the maturity period, yep. government bond, that's who's issuing the bond, who's the credit worthiness, the person behind it, yep. with a 2% per annum interest rate that they're going to pay you. Now, 2% might sound a bit low, but you've got to remember when interest rates were next to nothing, 2% was quite a lot. Yeah. Good. Now, accounting standards 
say that bonds can be measured at cost or current market value, what you paid for the bond or alternatively what it's worth today because bonds change in value. Yep. Now, let's work through an example. Let's imagine that you paid $100,000 for a bond that had a 10-year period and a 2% interest rate. Mm -hmm. Now, the next series of bonds today are for 10 years, but they've got a 4% interest rate. Yep. If you wanted to sell your bond that had a 2% interest rate, you would have to sell it for less than the 4% interest rate bond. Yes. And that's how you lose money on bonds. Because if you need to get out of them before the maturity date and the interest rate on bonds has gone up, then you have to sell it for less. You'll make a loss. And here's the gotcha. If all the banks had to sell their bonds in order to meet the run on liquidity from depositors asking their money back, they would crystallize these losses And that would feed into losses on their profit and loss and call their solvency into question. And wouldn't that make things worse and drive the bond prices down as well? Well, no, not necessarily. Okay. What it would do is cause banks to start making huge losses and then cause the solvency of banks to be called into question, which would then cause people who have lent money to the bank to think, I'm not going to get repaid. I better go and ask for my money back which then causes the banks to have to sell more bonds, which means that they're going to make more losses, which means their solvency- So it's like a feedback loop. Negative feedback loop. So your bank is only as solvent as its ability to meet its debt repayments out of its own capital. Is that why we see government stepping in to prop up the bank? So Uh, they go and they say, you know, Silicon Valley Bank will pay back the people who've lost the money, you know, just to try and create the appearance of worthiness, creditworthiness. Emperor's new clothes. This is the great myth of banking. Your money is only as safe as you think it is. And if you all of a sudden use, you lose faith in the person that's holding your money, you need someone who you've got more faith in to step in behind them to guarantee it. And we had a situation recently with the Silicon Valley Bank where the government came in and said, we're not going to bail them out. Well, that just would have caused calamity through the whole financial system. So they came out and said, oh, we're going to give everyone their money back, but it's not a government bailout. Yeah. Well, what is it then? It's kind of the same thing, right? <laughs> it's, it's the Clayton's bailout. It's yeah. the bailout you have when you don't have a bailout. But it's not fixing the problem, though. It's only papering over the cracks, isn't it? This is the question, and we have to wait and see how it unfolds because you've got to think of it like a fire. And it's bad if a house burns down. You know, that's terrible. But if one house burning down leads to the whole street burning down and the village burning down and the city burning down, well, then that's a catastrophe. So we've got a couple of houses burning down at the moment, but it hasn't spread to the street. Yeah, but those houses are overseas right now. What about Aussie banks? Are they at risk too? Aussie banks are at risk because Aussie banks are profit-making institutions that are only as good as the principles that we've talked about today. Okay, but the government talks about a government guarantee, right? And that we think that our money in Australian banks are government guaranteed. That's not correct. They're guaranteed to a point. Let me just ask you, do you remember the state bank going bad? Yeah. Do you remember Pyramid Building Society going bad? So there's precedent in Australia for approved deposit taking institutions to go bad and it can happen again. And people say, but isn't my money guaranteed? And the answer is, mm, it is in some circumstances to some degree. Okay, well, I think we should talk about that next. Government guarantees, what do you think? All right, well, let's wrap up this one and look forward to the next one. Okay, see you soon. See you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Money Magnet podcast. If you have questions or would like to provide feedback, then please send an email to podcast at moneymagnet.au.